0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Back and better than ever, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Goodyear hotline. Today, my takes will be hot. Yours will be, too. Baseball, pretty good. Best coaching job in the country has come available. And two more weeks of the jersey, at least. The guys are here. Let's go. Here we go! Go, go.
0: Only one place to start.
1: I love these uh, these early mornings now. We come off of get-up and some of our friends are willing to hang out and talk about all this football stuff here. Dan Orlovsky and Rex Ryan in the studio today. But the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Delighted to have you both. And, and, and Rex, let's, let's start with the game that we focused on the most on Get Up this morning. And that was Cowboys-Patriots, which was just unbelievable yesterday. And the observation I made watching it was, and you know this better than anybody, for the last 20 years, New England wins that game. No not matter who they're playing, they win that game. And for the last 20 years, the Cowboys lose that game. It doesn't matter who they're playing. They lose that game. So why did it go the other way yesterday?
0: Well,
2: I mean, there's no Tom Brady on the on the mm. New England sideline. We get that. Right. Uh, but this is not the same Dallas Cowboy team we've seen. This team posted 567 yards. Mm-hmm. That's the most a Bill Belichick coach defense, whether he's head coach or D coordinator, has ever given up. Like – that that blows me away, but that tells you how good this Dallas Cowboy offense is.
1: For, for anyone who didn't watch it, this is a game because the Cowboys essentially turn it over in the end zone twice, um, and and so that's thus it winds up in overtime and all the yards and everything else, and it brings us to the quarterback, Dan. the 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 play of Dak Prescott. Thus far this season, what are the right things to say about it?
3: Yeah, it's been brilliant. It's been something we haven't seen before. I think yesterday they don't win that game unless his play is brilliant. You talked about the two red zone turnovers. There's also the fourth and one that they go for it and don't get. That's essentially a turnover. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about being 10-plus penalties. You're down in the turnover differential, too, and you win on the road. You don't do that unless your quarterback plays unbelievable. And I think the two things that stood out for me, Greeny, and we talked about this on Get Up, were one, playmaking – you know, him getting outside of the pocket and making plays when there's nothing there. And then, too, just having the clutch factor. And we've seen that a couple times this season of just him being really clutch. And, you know, they talk about that game-tying field goal drive. There's a 4th and 4. Man, you got to make a tough, tight window, man coverage throw. He does. 3rd and 25, and they get 24 yards. When it went to 3rd and 5, I honestly thought to myself, this is the, like, there's the game. You, you get 12 yards, you feel great. Mm-hmm. You, you're not getting 24 Um, And just the the little things that he did to get into field goal range were such a big deal. And obviously the game-winning touchdown to CeeDee Lamb. I think he's playing as as clutch as any quarterback in football.
2: Yeah, no, I don't disagree. And, And look, I've always been a huge, you know, Dak Prescott fan. But his team is better also around sure, him. Sure. like they finally can play defense over there and and you talk about turning the football over look at the takeaways this defense produces and they score it you know Diggs gets another interception that's six games in a row he's yeah. got seven uh interceptions on the year and he makes a house call on one uh, so to me they can beat you on defense they can beat you on offense they can beat you running the football or having to throw it like it's a complete football team yeah. and and to me like I hate to to say because, I mean I don't want to believe it either. But your two eyes, my two eyes, are telling me that oh my gosh, this team is about as good as any anybody out there.
1: Yeah, they, they beat you on offense, they beat you on defense. Yesterday they got the block punt, so the yeah. special teams getting it done as well. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance. Proud to support veterans with its annual Keys to Progress vehicle giveaway program, now celebrating nine years of donating vehicles, helping veterans in need. Learn more at keystoprogress.com. Next game. Dan, you made everyone laugh yep. today on the program oh, my when you referred to the New York Giants coach Joe Judge as Timmy Toughnuts. <laughs> and here's the problem, is that we are not mature enough as a group <laughs> no. for you to say that yeah. and not react by laughing when you were trying to make a very serious point, so I will let you make the point now.
3: Well, I mean, your, your coach comes in and he takes the job and he makes it very clear that we're going to be tough and disciplined and not beat ourselves, and we're going to represent the people of this, this area when it comes to New York City. Great. And then you, you go on the road last week and you play tough against the Dallas Cowboys. Awesome. I loved it. And I actually am a person who thought this team is better than their record. And then they come at home and they don't show up again at home in front of the fans that you say you are going to represent. And when you have as this coach this mindset of I, you're going to do it my way, 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 and I'm talking at you and talking at you and talking at you as a grown adult instead of talking with you and with you, eventually players just get sick and tired of that. And you as a coach trying to coach, trying to de- depict being so tough. I've played in situations like this when the coach Tries to be this super rah rah tough guy, and you know, they grind on you, and the losses happen. Players don't like that. Mm -hmm. And to be down 38 to 3 when basically everybody on your football team is hurt on your offense, Saquon's not in there, and and Galladay wasn't in there, and, and Tony's not in there, and everybody on your offense is down. Daniel Jones. Got knocked out of the game last week, and it's 38-3, to and you still have him in the game taking hits. And I'm sitting there going, well, this is stupid. It's stupid. And when you're that Timmy Toughnut coach, and your losses are happening, and you're doing stupid stuff, and, Coach, you notice, eventually players are going to start to turn you out, and it happens fast. Yeah. They just tune you out.
2: Yeah, and, it, I mean, look, this is the wrong city to lie to your fan base in. Mm. I'm just telling you. Yeah, I I was in this city. I approached it because I was going to be the most physical football team in the league, and we were. Right. Okay. That's the difference. We he hadn't backed it up. Right. He hadn't backed it up. Exactly. And and I always call him you know Joe Joe you know tough guy hard hard you know ass or whatever he is, but we don't see it on the field. And here's the thing: those guys right there, when he talks, they got to be like man please. And here's one reason. You don't back your players up. you got a quarterback that had a concussion seven days earlier. He's in the game and you're running short yardage plays with him. Quarterback sneak. Quarterback sneak. What? He gets hit in the head. What a surprise. He had a bad day. Turned the ball over four times. I don't put that on Daniel Jones. I put that square on the shoulders of the head coach. Do you understand how difficult it is to come back from a concussion, let alone one week? Yeah. Nobody does that in this game that guy Daniel Jones is a legitimate tough guy yeah all right you need to quit like his his thing rings so hollow to me man and and look he he got the job saying he can handle the whole roster you're a bottom of the roster guy you were a special team coach and that's how you perform so to me I'm not surprised by this I'm surprised that he's gotten a pass so far from this New York media, that that is my thing. I'm surprised by that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that is likely to continue after yesterday. And again, I mean, this is a guy, Daniel Jones, that we spent a lot of last week saying, even if he's cleared, don't play him. Even if he's right. cleared, don't play him. And so again, to be down 38 to three and still have him out there on the field, it's, in, it's, it's inexplicable, frankly. Yeah.
3: And what's the point? Again, what are you trying to prove? You, your football team is not stupid. This isn't a we're waving the white flag. You're not going to score 35 points in three minutes, Coach. This isn't one of those situations where you're trying to send a message to your football team. This is not college football, you know. And that's something a college football team would I do. I oh. feel we're trying to build our culture, so let's keep playing tough because you guys are 18 or 19 years old. These are grown adults, and your quarterback. The the context of the situation is a big part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Again, coming off of that concussion. For him to play was a big deal. You should be doing everything you can to make sure that he's not exposed to any type of extra hit. That outside of like maybe not being able to play in the future when it comes to health, you don't want anything negative to happen to him as a human being right. in, in his life. And it's just in that in that moment, when your coach is doing that to you as a player, you sit there and start to think to yourself, "Do you even care about hmm. me?" You know like do you even care that I'm here getting my head kicked in we're down 38 to 3 and I'm not making this up and coach you could there are moments when players just almost give the um the the, the invisible like Middle finger, you know, like I'm done with it because that is not cool what happened to me there. And I'm not saying that's happening or happened, but I've seen it happen in moments or situations that are like that.
1: Greeny and Rex and Dan's time for some straight talk now brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract. No compromise. The game on yesterday's schedule, Rex, that I was most looking forward to was Chargers-Browns because I thought to myself, this is a showdown. Excuse me. It was Chargers-Ravens, which was a showdown between two teams coming on. And I picked the Chargers, and I thought they're the one that are going to prove themselves to be the legitimate contender. And, boy, I couldn't have been more wrong. Let me hear a quick thought from you on both sides of that one, on the Ravens side of it and the Chargers side. Yeah, I
2: mean, I picked the Ravens, so I wasn't surprised because (laughs) – I just think, number one, you know, I talked to a guy that's telling me their game plan, so I I felt pretty good about it going in there. But, I mean, realistically, the Ravens' defense for the first time all year looked like the Baltimore Raven defense. Mm -hmm. That's a problem for the NFL. It certainly was a problem yesterday for the Chargers. Chargers are amazing offensively. They had 200 total yards in this game, Greeny. And so when you have Justin Herbert, who's as good as there is, playing the quarterback position right now, Keenan Allen, Pro Bowl receiver the last two years, Mike Williams having an unbelievable year, all these weapons, Eckler, Guyton, all these guys, guess what? Never mattered because Baltimore put it on you. They were more physical. That's what I worried about with this Charger football team. Are they going to be – physical enough when it gets down and dirty when the snow flies are you going to be physical enough their defense is one of the softest in the league about giving up the run all right and we saw it again yesterday dano You talked about it big time on Get Up today about how that offensive line for Baltimore just pummeled that defensive line by the Chargers. Yeah,
3: that was the standout for me, Baltimore offensively, was their offensive line basically taking defensive tackles and pushing them into the linebackers of the Chargers. I mean, so many of their yards came before contact, and that was the, this is a much maligned offensive line. Lamar's had great praise this year, deservedly so, but that offensive line made a very clear declaration, in my opinion, to the rest of the conference, put your helmet on because this is the Ravens run game of old. And then their, you know, their defense, I would say this, the Chargers also played uncharacteristically poor on offense. You know, Justin played poor third and three, Mike Williams drops the ball fourth and three, Mike Williams drops the ball. So uncharacteristically poor, but the Ravens, the physicality, uh, which is kind of a trademark of their brand code showed up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But on those drop balls that you're referring to, yeah. they were challenged by Marlon Correct, Humphrey. No doubt. No doubt. And so I love the game plan. They're like, yeah. Hey, and Oh, fourth down, you want to go for it? Fine. I know you're going to pitch it over there to your ex-receiver Mike right. Williams, fine. We'll put Marlon Humphrey on him. I thought it was great because Marlon Humphrey's normally plays in the slot right. where Keenan Allen would be. All right, they're like, no, we're gonna we're gonna put him on Mike Williams. We're gonna double the slot, and that's how they did it. And they were like, they couldn't wait for for this team to go for it on fourth down. Yeah. They could not. They were laying in wait. Said, so, okay, well, you're gonna put our best player on on where the ball's going and And it came up great for the Ravens in this but you know to me, the Ravens you know they take it personal because and they understand too those are turnover on downs yeah. so those are two more turnovers that you get now look, we praise the heck out of this guy for Staley you know for for going for it, all that kind of stuff. Well you're seeing what happens when a team is prepared for you. they're not playing off coverage they get in your kitchen and they make you earn it, and that's exactly what happened.
1: We spent a lot of last week talking about Lamar for MVP. Uh, This week, it might be about John Harbaugh for Coach of the Year with what that team has overcome. I could do this forever. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out a little extra time. Danny, go up and do NFL Live today. Rex, the best. Thank you both. Uh, Did you know that according to Forbes, companies are working to fill millions of jobs in an epic hiring spree, and where do they turn? To ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified candidates and makes it easy to invite your top choices to apply. it free today at slash greeny coming up next my takes will include a coach who committed what i believe could be a fireable offense yesterday i'll tell you who next this is ESPN radio greeny the podcast from your NFL Sunday yesterday, and here they come. Number five. Aaron Rodgers is right. He does own the Bears. Boy, are the Packers going to miss him. The takeaway, look, the obvious storyline coming out of Packers-Bears yesterday is Pac- is Rodgers yelling, I own you with the fans and all that kind of stuff and doing the discount double check and all of that stuff. Terrific. But the actual thought I have watching that game yesterday is, well, the Packers are a very average football team with two exceptional players. And the guys who put that team together, who think they are geniuses, are in for a rude awakening. (laughs) Rex said it on TV today. When Aaron Rodgers leaves this coming season and takes Devontae Adams with him, wherever he goes, they will be a package deal. They will make someone an instant Super Bowl contender. Almost doesn't matter. You put Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams on practically any roster in the NFL... They're an instant playoff team and maybe a Super Bowl team. And what they leave behind is the Lions. I think they're that average. That defense is not good at all. The Bears didn't even try to score. The Bears are playing like they're scared to death of their own quarterback. I, I, I don't know what is going on there. But Matt Nagy coaches games like he is scared to death of his own quarterback. And it was one thing when you didn't want to play him and all that. But he's playing. So I don't, under, I don't understand what they're doing exactly. They are being so overprotective. They're like, I don't know, like the overprotective dad, you know, like when, when, <laughs> when the kid is, like I remember going, I'll tell you a true story. Uh, I asked a girl to go to the prom with me, and I went to her house to ask permission from her father to, to, because we were going to stay out all night. And I wanted to ask, she said, my dad needs to talk to you before we do this. I'm 17 years old. I'm show up at this woman's house. And the father says, and he says to me, so how are you going to be getting around? And I said, we've got a limousine. My best friend and I have reserved a limousine for us and our dates. And he says to me, and this limousine driver is going to be responsible and not going to wrap my daughter around a telephone pole somewhere. And I said, well, if he does, he definitely won't be getting the mandatory 15% gratuity, which I consider to be the first great ad lib of my life. (laughs) It was in that moment as he was ushering me from his apartment that I thought, I'm going to be a broadcaster someday. I forget why I got into this. Oh, because the Bears are acting like that dad. They're afraid to let Justin Fields do anything. Justin Fields is my prom date, Emily. (laughs) And they're afraid. Listen, you, you can't keep her out all night. Like you can take her to the prom if you want, but she's not staying out all night. I don't care if there's a limo driver. I don't trust the limo driver. That's what the Bears are with Justin Fields. And at some point, it's going to get old. But Rodgers was very good yesterday. These are my takes. That one was a little bit all over the place. Number four. This one's a little more direct. John Harbaugh is the coach of the year. John Harbaugh is the coach of the year, and to me, it's not even close. The Ravens have more players on injured reserve than any other team. And it's like all their good ones except Lamar. (laughs) Like They lost everybody. They had the worst August. I remember saying the words on this show. Every year, one team in the NFL has their season ruined by injury. You just never know who it's going to be, and this year it's the Ravens. And they're 5-1. And, and they look right now, candidly, as good as anybody in the AFC, maybe with the exception of Buffalo. And that is just a remarkable testament to their coaching. Right, Lamar might be the MVP. Last week was about Lamar being the MVP to me. This week is about John Harbaugh being the coach of the year. The two teams that have the most players on injured reserve are the Ravens and the Lions. The Ravens have 16 players on injured reserve. They're 5-1. and one. The Lions have 14 players in injured reserve. They're 0-6. You're not supposed to be able to win through that kind of adversity. Those aren't excuses. They're reasons. And they're winning. And mostly it's because their coach is elite. You agree with that? John Harbaugh is a, a, a legitimately elite NFL coach.
4: You, and you give any team, John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson they're going to win at least half of their games. The injuries that happened in August to them just weren't to Lamar Jackson, like you said. So they have the infrastructure. They had the foundation. And so I guess we shouldn't be that surprised that they've won
1: more games than they've lost. I mean, surprised is a relative term. They've not won more games than they've lost. They're 5-1. And, <laughs> and they're beating good teams. Yeah.
4: Yeah. That was a blowout uh, yesterday. They
1: beat down the Chargers yesterday, who I, like the genius that I am, thought were the best team in the AFC.
4: Non-competitive game.
1: Non-competitive. It wasn't as close as the final score would seem. (laughs) Uh, He's done an unbelievable coaching job. Number three, The Browns have me very concerned. They are banged up beyond belief. The quarterback is tough as hell, but let's just be honest. Baker Mayfield is an average to above-average player, and maybe that's all he's going to be. And that's fine. That roster should be good enough for them to still win. The problem is they have to decide whether or not to give them $150 million. But let's not even worry about that yet. Because the problem is this is a Super Bowl roster. Dan said it on TV this morning really well. This is a 6-0 and roster that's 3-3. and Their defense has allowed 117 points in three losses. to so the three good teams they've played, Chiefs, Chargers, Cardinals... Their defensive numbers are going to be skewed by the fact that they had the Justin Fields game, the game where the Bears didn't—they they didn't even run an offense. <laughs> they, had, they had one net yard passing, so all of the, the season statistics for that Browns defense are going to be skewed by that game in the favorable side. Their defense has underachieved terribly. They—they they played without Nick Chubb yesterday. Kareem Hunt had what looked like a terrible injury. Mm-hmm. I, I find it impossible to believe he's going to play Thursday. Baker Mayfield suffered the kind of injury that I would have announced my retirement lying there on the ground with his shoulder. Is he going to play Thursday? Did I mention they're playing Thursday? They turn around and play a Denver team that isn't very good, but they can play defense. So the Browns will play a game they absolutely have to win on Thursday night. So the Browns have me very, very concerned as the guy who picked them this year to go to the Super Bowl. Number two. All right, this is the one that I teased. Daniel Jones being in the game down 38-3 in the fourth quarter, I believe is genuinely a fireable offense. I don't say that loosely or lightly. I don't fire coaches. If you've listened to me on the radio for 25 years, that's not what I do. I don't sit here and demand people's jobs. But I will tell you right now, if I'm John Murray yesterday, I walk into that locker room after the game and I, I ask the coach, I need to talk to you for a minute, or at least I bring him in today. And I said, I need to talk to you for a minute. What point were you trying to make by having Daniel Jones in that game at the end? We all saw Daniel Jones not know where he was on the field a week before. This is not even your typical football stuff. Like this is, you're playing with people's lives here. We all know how serious this concussion stuff is. We spent last week on this program talking about whether they should play him, even if he's cleared. And I told you, coaches will say, if the doctors clear him, I'm going to play him. But that game was as decided as a game could be. So you're trying to make the point down 35 points in the fourth quarter. Well, we don't quit here. Well, guess what, coach? Your team quit long before that. Your team didn't play like they wanted any part of that. And you may be the reason why. And so if I'm the owner of that team, I have that coach in my office today saying, I want to know what point you were trying to make by having Daniel Jones on the field 38-3 down in the fourth quarter a week after he didn't know what what state he was in. Doesn't make any difference how bad my team played yesterday. That's the coach's problem. Doesn't make any difference that we lost badly to a really good team. That's a whole other issue. Why is the concussed quarterback on the field down 38-3 in the fourth quarter? That to me is, is bordering on a fireable offense if I'm not happy with the answer. And I mean that as seriously as I can mean anything. I want to get a thought from Nuno on this. What's on your mind? Brought to you by My Computer Career, training for a better life. Nuno is a crazy giant fan and all of that. And obviously yesterday was a terrible day in a variety of ways. I'll give you the floor here for a minute. Nuno, go.
5: This is over. Uh, John Mara needs to really evaluate the his franchise. From top to bottom, it's a complete and utter disaster. Besides Besides playing Daniel Jones, Kadarius Tony didn't look good based upon all the reports in pregame warm-ups. You put him out there and he gets hurt. You continuously shuffle the offensive line that isn't very good um, every every other play um, and not protecting this kid. It's just, there's so much going on. Of course, John Marath did the right thing yesterday and avoided being on the field during the halftime um ceremonies to honor the championship uh, Super Bowl team from 10 years ago so he doesn't get booed. But, like, you need to reevaluate everything. People need to be gone from top to bottom. Yeah, that was
1: just the kind of day that makes you evaluate everything. And, Hembo, you were telling me a story about, well, well he wasn't willing to, quote, unquote, give up some people who were.
4: <laughs> that, my in-laws were willing to give up. So my in-laws went to the Giants game yesterday. And obviously, they were outscored by 28 points in the second quarter, so they left early. So they texted us, you know, we're leaving the game now. We'll see you soon. They got to our house, and Daniel Jones was still playing. They could not believe it. The, 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 Matthew Stafford didn't even finish the game. The fact that Daniel Jones was still in there was, was beyond words. We couldn't believe it, obviously. And they left the game. And by the time they got to our place, he was still in the Yeah, game. I,
1: I thought, just thought that was an interesting way of putting it. The fans left and got home, and Daniel Jones is still on the field. So I mean this seriously. Look, the normal your your football team stink stuff, that happens. Teams stink every single year. Coaches have to figure that out. That's their job. But if I'm the owner of that team, I demand to know why that guy is still in the game at the end yesterday. And if I'm not happy with the answer, then i got some decisions to make. Number one. Finally, number one. For the last 20 years... The game between the Cowboys and Patriots yesterday. Take the opponents out of it. For the last 20 years, the Patriots win that game every time. Every time. They don't have Tom Brady anymore. For the last 20 years, the Cowboys lose that game every time. And they find the way to win. This is a different Cowboys team. And for that, I will allow Bubba a few moments of celebration. (laughs) Bubba, in the Dak Prescott jersey. Bubba, where do we stand on the Jersey as of now?
0: Well, uh, according to the schedule, I think we're on day sixteen, and uh, that's consecutive days. And according to the schedule, they got a bye coming up, so that's two more weeks, <laughs> two more straight. That's ten more days. Take that, hem.
1: Take take me through now the emotions, if you will, Bubba. Yeah, uh, in the Bubba household. And many of you may not know this, but uh, Bubba, long before his tenure in radio production, was actually a very successful architect. So his home is a really unique place. Right. Uh, he doesn't do that work anymore, but he did design for himself this very unique home for his fandom of his teams, you know, right. uh, Duke and all the front-running teams that he roots <laughs> for, Duke and, um, and and the Cowboys and the Mets. Right. But anyway, take me through, it's your house. Now, fourth and one early, you go for it, you don't get it. Now yeah. you kick the field goal at the end of the game and you miss it. Now you got the two, two turnovers basically in the end zone yesterday. Take me through the, the roller coaster of emotion that was the Cowboy fans day yesterday.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think uh, to your point, I do feel like in the past this was absolutely a game we would blatantly lose. not No question, but I just feel like this is a, you just feel something's different. I have confidence in Dak and you just felt like this is a the game they could come back and win. No matter what was happening, they overcame so much, so many penalties, still overcoming some questionable things Mike McCarthy's doing. But the the special players stepped up. Dak was great, a little concerned about his injury. <laughs> Diggs continues to be ridiculous with his interceptions. Ceedee Lamb was great. So the special people are great. Kellen Moore is calling great plays. And I just have confidence in Dak to take them to where they need to go and 100% they would have lost this game in the past, but they just seem to be having a special year and are winning the games they would have lost on the road. Wherever they need to go, they're winning. We've got a bye coming up. Hopefully Dak can rest a little bit. And then we got a bunch more winnable games where I could be wearing the jersey
1: until December. Now, we, we literally may never get Bubba out of that jersey. They are, the difference in them is that they're just that good now. Like the Cowboys, they've always had names you knew, but they're just that good. Good. And those are Greeny's takes for today. Uh, and I can remind you, you could sign up with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL, and use my name, Greeny as the code. You'll get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes up for grabs this week with your first deposit. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And if you think about it, Hembo knows this because he's an Eagles fan. They're bad. Nuno knows this. He's a Giants fan. They're horrific. I know this. Because I spent the entire offseason telling you how good the Washington football team was going to do. And they've made me look like an idiot because they stink on ice. So, Bubba, your team is going to run, has already run away and hidden with the NFC East, which is a huge advantage at a time when there's only one bye. And the Rams are a really good team. The Cardinals are a really good team. The, the, um, the Bucks, obviously, are a really good team. Th- th- those teams all have tougher, even the Bucks have much tougher games in their division, and the Packers, I think, just aren't nearly as good. I don't consider—the Packers are Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and everybody else. I don't consider them on the same level. I think Dallas has a real chance, Bubba, to wind up with the one seed in the NFC based upon their division.
0: No, I think the division is really playing to their hands this year for sure, and if they just can keep beating up on the lesser competition, their their hardest games are honestly in the beginning, and they essentially mm-hmm. they split. They lost to Tampa Bay, and then they beat the Chargers, and they have the Chiefs, in Kansas City but as we're seeing right now I don't know are the Chiefs fully back that's a game they could they could win so yeah, I think if they keep winning these NFC East games, there's no reason they could they could not be in a one or two seed in the NFC.
1: And even if they don't beat Kansas City, that's a, a non-conference game when we're right. when we're sure. getting to tiebreakers at the end. I mean, the Cardinals and the Rams, they're in the same – got to play each other. Yeah, we have uh-huh.
0: Minnesota and Atlanta coming up, and so they should win that.
1: And- yeah, so so what I think we've learned here for certain is that Bubba is never taking off that jersey, uh. nor should he. we got to get a green light in here at some point. We'll never forget the baseball for you. Plus, an NFL coach obliterates – His own quarterback. Greeny, the podcast.
0: playmaking splash shifted the tempo another great
1: cocktail from the hypnotic team every season is hypnotic and tequila season hypnotic liqueur bardstown kentucky 17 percent alcohol by volume hypnotic reminds you to think wisely drink wisely
3: Ready to go right now.
1: green lights lights with greeny I'm giving Hembo a super quick green light here. We never shortchange the baseball. We're in the playoffs. Been a lot of exciting stuff. Catch everybody up on where we are.
4: Wonderful. Just an awesome weekend in baseball, Greeny. In the National League Championship Series to get you caught up, the Braves are up two games to none. The Braves walked off the Dodgers in games one and two in Atlanta in that series as Atlanta now is seeking their first World Series berth since 1999. But... You got to remember, they were in this exact same position against the Dodgers last year in the exact same round. They led the Dodgers two games to none. They led the Dodgers three games to one, and LA came all the way back. So we'll have to see. But at the moment, Atlanta is the World Series favorite. Game three tomorrow afternoon is going to be Charlie Morton against Walker Bueller. That was a really good games one and two. And in the American League, that series is locked up at one apiece. And game three is tonight at Fenway Park. If, you, if you're a fan of offense and you're a fan of the sort of like the non-sticky stuff, baseball, you know, going back 20 years now, this is the series for you. Because in the first two games, Greeny, 23 runs scored nine home runs they're playing baseball on the moon in this series that that has been the one that's been to me even more compelling because you've seen so much offense
1: all right and so again just a quick look at that on this Monday with all the football going on we won't have as much time for it but we definitely will get into it plenty Mm. tomorrow here Greeny with you Hemba with you next stop I'm sorry what I'm sorry what I'm
5: sorry what
1: I'm sorry what I wanted to play this for you here because you know, I played your Dan Campbell sound. He's the coach of the Lions last week. They're 0-6 now. And he was crying after his team fought like crazy. I mean, they're the anti-giants, they fight like crazy for their coach. <laughs> and he was crying because he cares so much about them last week. Well, yesterday, they got beat up badly. They just got shellacked. And after the game, he was asked about the play of his quarterback, Jared Goff. And this is about, to me, about as publicly... As I have heard a coach call out a quarterback in a really long time. I will
0: say this. I don't feel like we can accurately judge him one way or another. Hmm. I don't feel that way yet. Now, I will say this. I feel like he needs to step up more than he has. And I think he, I think he needs to help us, you know, just like everybody else. And uh, I think he, he's going to need to put a little bit of weight on his shoulders here. And it's time to step up make some throws and do some things.
1: But he needs help. He needs help. So he kind of softens it at the beginning and at the end. But he's putting a lot on Goff. And this is a big week because the Lions play the Rams. So, A, that's a really bad team against a really good team. So they're going to probably lose by a lot. But this is a significant one because this is Jared Goff against his former team. And it's Matthew Stafford against his former team. So I just thought that was interesting, and I thought it was worth hearing from the coach. Embo, your thoughts? Well,
4: by the way, Jared Goff is now 0-13 in games in which he starts, and Sean McVay is not his coach. I was surprised, though, to hear him say that. You don't often see that. And the way that we cut the sound was such that it sounded like it was sort of like butt up against each other. He waited like 10 seconds when I mean, you're watching this live before he actually answered that question. He yeah. gave it a lot of thought. It was very clear that what he said was intentional. So I'm curious how that will play in the locker
1: room. I, I agree completely. So he has put it on his quarterback shoulders going into what will be for golf, the biggest game of the year, and we'll see where it winds up. I, I just thought that was worth hearing. We'll hear a bunch more sound bites coming up off the top of the next hour with the traditional I'm sorry what? In the meantime, I have a quick rankings reaction brought to you by Wendy's. Get a sausage or bacon egg and Swiss croissant for just $1.99 at Wendy's during breakfast hours only, limited time only, price and participation may vary. The rankings are what they are. Georgia is the number one team in the country, and Cincinnati is number two. And normally, Cincinnati being number two would be the most interesting thing. But to me, the most interesting thing is that Ed Ogeron is out. So do you know how many coaches have won the national championship since he did? One. They won the national championship 15 minutes ago. We were there in New Orleans when they won the national championship in January of 2020. We're not even out of 2021 yet, and Ogeron is out. Apparently, there are a bunch of other things going on there more than meets the eye. But one way or another, it will be very interesting to see what happens here because that becomes, to me, by far the best college coaching job that is out there. If I'm a college coach, I'm more interested in going to LSU, for example, than I am USC. Mm. LSU, you got all this talent. You're in the SEC, which is where right now I think you want to be. I I, I think, you know, the the, the question is can you climb Mount Saban? But Nick is hes almost 70 years old, so he's not going to be there another 20 years. I think that is a great job. What do you think?
4: It is for sure a great job. In fact, I would, I would go as far as to say that it is likely better than most of the NFL jobs that would become available because if right. you can be great there and you can sustain greatness there, you're a made man. You can be the, you're, I mean, you're the most important person in the state of Louisiana to a lot of people. So I'm dying to see who they choose to replace him with because if you read a lot of the reporting, it seems like they sort of need an adult in the room. They need a CEO. That seems to be sort of the scuttle. So th- like the list of people who they're going to interview to me is going to be ridiculously fascinating.
1: But generally speaking... You don't fire the coach and keep him on for the rest of the year unless you're doing it because you want to get a head start on the search. Like, you want to get out there and get in front of everybody on someone. So who is that someone? Is it Joe Brady, who was their offensive coordinator two years ago? Is it? urban meyer that seems very (laughs) unlikely i don't know but one way or another i just found that to be a very interesting story yesterday we're jam-packed we're back in a moment on espn radio
0: thanks for listening to greenie the podcast you can listen live each weekday morning at 10 eastern on espn radio and see it with the video on espn plus also catch greenie on get up weekday mornings at 8 on espn and also available wherever you get your podcast